dissolved the council permanently. Last remnants of the old republic have been swept away. What's up, you moon jockeys? You're listening to the Imperial Senate Podcast. I'm your host for today, Nikki Kumar, and with me, I'm joined by the illustrious Charlie Ashby. What's up, Charlie? Hey, buddy. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. We are indeed missing Claire, so we're a little bummed out. But, you know, it's it's a good week anyway, because we have a wonderful guest with us. It's a, uh, you, you may know him from Twitter, but also he is a writer who has published articles on Wired, USA Today, and StarWars.com. So we're excited to introduce the incredible Brendan Nysted to the Senate. How are you today, Brendan? Hello. Hello, boyos. How's it going? <laughs> oh, man. We're all, we're all just cooking on the West Coast, as we were discussing earlier. <laughs> Ugh, I'm, I'm a sweaty mess. It's gross. Yep. Oh, man. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, Thanks for having yeah, me. I think we had like we were able to briefly meet at Celebration, uh, which was awesome. But it's much better now to have you on the show and actually talk to you about something that uh, you got to experience not long ago. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm I'm super excited to be here. I love the show. Uh, I, I and I was telling Charlie the other day that I need to buy one of the Salacious Crumb shirts like immediately. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I, sh- I should be putting an order in for one of those. There we go. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, I think the sort of big news that's going on right now, and especially why we wanted to ask you uh, to come talk with us today, is Galaxy's Edge is officially open in um, Anaheim on the Disneyland, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been long awaited, right? And uh, it's been getting pretty amazing reviews from journalists and fans alike, and people are just praising the amazing attention to detail and um, just how like real the whole experience feels. And so you were there not long ago, Brendan. So we want to ask you all these, you know, we want to pick your brain on just how amazing it is. So first of all, how it just don't make me decraniate it. Oh, I wouldn't appreciate of that course very much. not. Of course not. Charlie, put, we're going to pull at you. Charlie, put those tools away. <laughs> that only drives you crazy. So I think I'm OK with that. <laughs> so uh, we, we got to know, how would you describe Galaxy's Edge in a single word? That's really, really, really difficult. And so I'm going to cheat a little bit and turn to the illustrious Sherman brothers for my answer. And that is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> it is it is beyond, uh, you know, a lot of things. Uh, uh, just just within, like, the Disney parks that I've been to, it is one of the, the coolest lands easily, mm-hmm. easily. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a glowing review, I would say. <laughs> If it's over, if it's over ten letters, it's it's a glowing review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, previously, my you know my favorite Disney experiences I had had at uh, Tokyo Disney Sea, which is the the second park they have in the Tokyo Disney Resort, um, and it's themed to like the ports of the world, and you have like kind of a fairy tale Arabian section. You have you walk in, and it's this like very lifelike creation of Venice and there's a big volcano that's in the middle of the park. Uh, they have a whole like steampunk theme section. Mm. It's all Jules Verne inside the volcano. Um, they have like the, the uh, Amazon river Delta is one of the areas. Um, and one of the, one of the, one of the portions has uh, it's like 1930s, 1920s, New York. It's like the New York waterfront. 
And that was like, that was my high watermark for, no pun intended, for the, the quality of what Disney Imagineering and the Disney brand was capable of in the parks. And I think that, you know, Galaxy's Edge is easily, you know, the equal of, of what I saw in that park, uh, just in terms of, like you said, the attention to detail and the, the thoughtfulness in all of the, the ways that it's laid out and the way that you uh, take in the experience. Yeah, I think um, that word you just said, uh, thoughtfulness, is something I think has like really stood out to me. Where it's just like just these little things. I heard um, when you like go to the bathroom, there's like pod racing commentary <laughs> going on. So it's like you're just like yeah. It's like all this stuff just adds up, and um, like it's just it's you know things they didn't have to do are just done in insane measures right yeah absolutely that was that was a, a big moment when i was in the refresher and oh, of course you yeah. know, the, <laughs> they, they do the all, the bathroom is completely themed too the you know some of it looks like it's off the shelf but you know they've given it they've weathered it a little bit like they have a dyson hand dryer but uh they've completely taken the label off of it and painted it kind of an oily black and the way they've mounted everything around the faucets is a little bit star warsy um so yeah, it's it's like even down to that stuff. Uh, no expense was spared. There, you know, the thing that I was really looking for were the seams, like where you could see the real world peeking, you know, through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they are very few and far between. Oh, that's awesome. Um, let's see what else. I guess like just in general, Galaxy's Edge has been um, like predicating itself on creating it this real experience, right? So I guess just sort of Mm -hmm. dovetailing off that, did you think it totally lives up to that expectation? Like, do you, do you feel so, so immersed that you're just lost in it? Within, yeah, I think within reason, they did a very good job. I can think of all kinds of ways where, you know, people, people speak Hatties to you and, you know, like, (laughs) uh, ways of making the experience less accessible, maybe. Um, but what they've done here is they've made it a place where I think a lot of people can have a really interesting experience and still feel, still make it feel immersive and real um, without making it scary. Because uh, I think that there's there's definitely a line there where if you if you all of a sudden have to trade in all of your money for galactic credits and learn a different language and uh, you know you have to be worried about a bunch of rowdy aliens all over the place uh, that might not make it as fun for families and people on vacation. But here, you know, you can go in, experience, uh, you know, that some of the, some things are consistent with other areas of the Disney park. You know, when you buy something, you get one of those blue Disney park bags with the castle on it still. You can still pay with good old American credit cards or dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they have they have some signage in Arabesh, but they've also come up with a stylized version of English that makes it so, you know, you don't have to go around decoding everything with your smartphone all the time to figure out what stuff is. Oh, okay. Um, so I think that they've, they've, they've walked that line pretty well um, uh, for, for practicality, for practical reasons. Right. Do you think, do you think Watto would accept American credit cards? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that because one of the, one of the characters that is, runs one of the shops is a Toydarian, the, the person that runs the, the toy shop is Toydarian, and I can tell you that the person working in her stall absolutely took credit card. So, you know, if, if Toydarians are a little bit picky about that and they prefer whoopee-oopee over galactic <laughs> credits, then 
you know, maybe not on Batu. Maybe just for maybe just on Tatooine. Oh man, the extension park. We'll find out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, just sort of talking about money. I recently went to uh, Universal Studios, and mm-hmm. uh, in the Harry Potter section, I was like buying a wand, and. They, they were very, like, clever in the same way where they're like, are you going to be paying with muggle plastic or muggle, cur- like, muggle paper? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, that's funny. Um, so, yeah, it would crack me up if, like, uh, they're doing, like, the same thing. Do they ask for credits? Yeah, yeah. You, you won't hear anybody refer to dollars. Yeah. Uh, they just say that the price is in credits. And, you know, they have they have the little like pretty standard credit card machine with the screen and the keypad on it. But it has a new fascia on it so that it looks a little bit more Star Wars-y. Oh, okay. Uh, which, is, which is a nice touch, I think. And you know what? If you really do want to get into it, they do sell a little metal chit that's a gift card. And you can put money onto it. And it's contactless pay. So you could go around and not see any of your real world money if you really wanted to. Oh, I think I've seen a picture of those. Yeah, that's really cool. That's yeah, awesome. it's supposed to look like the the local currency, which is I think is called a spira. Man. I'm really tempted to get one of those, <laughs> put money on it, and put a bounty on someone in the park, <laughs> and offer offer people. I guess that sort of like goes into our next question, which is like, when you're going around buying stuff, what's like the merchandise like? Like, what's it like when you're in the stores and like you just see all this stuff on the walls and. Uh, more importantly, for our interests and the interests of our host who is not here, did you buy a Kowakian monkey lizard? I can say that, yes, I did buy a Kowakian monkey yeah, lizard, but it wasn't for me. It was for, <laughs> it was for a friend, oh, and okay. I sent it to her. Um, it was, uh, you know, I was playing the role of smuggler that day and getting, getting a few things for people who made requests mm-hmm. with me. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the shopping experience is absolutely unreal. I think the highlight for me was Doc Ondar's shop, uh, Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. Um, you know, you have you have a lot of the the Easter eggs there that are pretty amazing. Brian Young and I like spent twenty minutes just looking around for stuff, and you know, being like, "Oh, that's from that. That's from that. That's from that." Um, <laughs> but just the the range of merchandise that they decided to make, I was in awe of. Um, th- this is the kind of stuff where you would joke about it maybe, and then never make it. And they made everything. Wow! Yeah, you can get a clip in. You can get a clip in Padawan braid. You can get customizable Imperial uh, rank placards. Uh, they have, you know, they have all kinds of costumes. You can get a Princess Leia costume. They made Padme's metal headdress from Episode Two. Kind of looks like a, a halo around her head almost. Um, they even have stuff that's a little uncomfortable that somebody should have vetted. Probably you can buy like a replica of the Sindola family Calicori, oh, wow. which feels a little bit like cultural appropriation to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a little a little bit icky. But you know, do you want to do you want to buy a replica of the Emperor's cane? You can buy it. You want to buy legacy lightsaber hilts? You can buy those. Uh, I even saw, I think Jermaine Lucier may, might have had it. Uh, you can buy fridge magnets that are shaped like. Uh, uh, restraining bolt if you go to the droid oh, store that's funny. so there's just so much oh the one of my favorites was uh the jedi food capsules that they have on their belts in the prequels you can buy those they have candy inside of them. <laughs> uh that's definitely just, better than the jar jar tongue lollipop <laughs> oh absolutely yeah so they they went through and they looked at 
all of Star Wars and they said, what would this, you know, what would this Ithorian who's been collecting all of these trinkets over the years, over the, over the ages have in his shop? Like what kinds of stuff would he have? Um, and the, the variety of goods that you can get uh, mm-hmm. is amazing. Uh, another one that was incredible to me is they made a Bluetooth version of the Imperial Comlink that like 3PO and Luke Skywalker used to talk to each other in A New Hope. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, just like, I, I, you know, I'm struggling to come up with more examples, like because there are so many great right. examples. Um, and to be quite honest, like you should probably go in and not know what everything is because, yeah. you, uh, you know, there may there may be something that surprises you. That's that's from a moment of one of the movies that you really love. That's like, oh, my God, I can't believe they made that. But they did. <laughs> they totally did. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I can't wait to go. I just it's going to just like blow your mind or blow all of our minds. <laughs> um, I think the thing I'm like most sort of hell bent on doing is the build your own lightsaber. So did you mm-hmm. go through that experience? I didn't, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We were, because I was there for the, the, the opening ceremony and some of the press events, They we had very limited amount of time to go and buy merchandise. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the shops open, I think, from 8.30 p.m. until 11.30. And by the time I had a chance to maybe go peek into the lightsaber to, to Savi's shop, uh, there was a huge line. Right. That, that that's an experience that everybody's going to want to do. Yeah. That's it's all. It's just and the droid one as well, right? It's all. It's all very insane. Did you did you see the droid shop at all? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's very fun. Um, and you're you know, that's that's a space where if you look around, you're gonna see one of your favorite droids from the saga. There are. Uh, tons and tons of different robots that are, you know, locked away inside cages and spare parts that are lying around. It's really cool. Ah, oh, man. The canteen is supposed to be the busiest part, though, right? That's what I've heard. Again, because I was there for, for the press tour, uh, I had a, a slot that was given to me, and they gave us little free non-alcoholic beverages to sample. Uh, and it certainly was not that full when I went in, yeah. which was really good. Uh because I think that, you know, uh, it seems like now that the park is open, people are having to use the text reservation system and uh, wait to, wait for their phone to go off before they have a chance to get let in. Um, you know, some people were waiting up, up to two or three hours, I think, in some cases. So, like, how does that... Is that, like, surreal to you? Like, you got to experience it in this sort of, like... Like, almost behind-the-curtain way where... Like it wasn't as crowded, not as many just like kind of people around. Was it? Do you think that made it like extra magical that you you had it so like limited to yourselves? I think in some ways yes, and in some ways no. Um, we actually did get to go literally behind the curtain um, because uh, we were in we were on Main Street USA in the morning for uh, uh, like a little press briefing, and there was a Q and A session, and they took us in shuttles behind all of the rides within the perimeter of the park to a press area that was behind the scenes uh behind batu mm-hmm. so we were we were going into the park not even through the entrances that you know you or i would go through today we were going through like the back doors into into batu oh, okay um so you know that on top that on top of the fact that there weren't as many people around um means that it's probably a slightly better experience than a lot of guests will get in terms of crowdedness. But then again, I was a little bit bummed because they had uh, a bunch of lighting set up specifically for the opening ceremony. 
And so all of the rigging for that stuff was all over the place. Mm, okay. Uh, and on top of, on top of that, they had they had areas set up where people from different outlets that had uh, video crews could do interviews with key people uh, that helped design Galaxy's Edge. So, you know, it wasn't it was there were fewer people, but there were more obstacles, I guess. Right. And there were more there were more uh, things that aren't going to be there when. Uh, you know, now that the the public has been let in, that I think kind of detracted from the environment just a tiny bit. I see. So <laughs> it's kind of funny because like those little things are just, you know, it's part of real life, right? Like you can't escape those. And it kind of makes me think about, we like laughed about this a while ago where it's like if a kid like throws up on the Millennium Falcon, right? <laughs> like, like is that, that's like, oh man, my experience has been... <laughs> tarnished <laughs> or like is that vomit cannon you know uh, it's just kind of like funny to think about all the ways where sort of the world will be will be broken by you know some kid or some some guy in like a hawaiian shirt and flip-flops um it's just yeah yeah totally yeah and we've already seen i don't know i don't know if you've you've seen any of these go by on twitter but uh little kids seem to really enjoy running up and hi- hugging kylo ren's legs oh yeah um <laughs> Go for the legs. <laughs> My purely chits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I think um how many how many of those actors were around when you were there? Was it was it just all of them there? Basically like the full cast? Yeah, they had a lot of people uh milling about, especially in the evening portion. Um they had everybody who was uh on the resistance team uh walking through the groups of people that were gathered and, you know, eating all of the snacks that they had out. Uh, asking for passcodes and handing out little trading cards that had a map on the, the the rear. And if you collected all the cards, you could, you know, have a full map of Black Spire Outpost. Um, and, you know, there were, even the people serving the food um, were, were, you know, were, were giving some sort of a spiel. I heard a couple of times throughout the night that, oh, you know, the... Have, have you tried the blue milk yet? The blue milk is locally sourced, unlike that green <laughs> stuff that they have to bring in from off-world. Like, they were very proud of the blue milk uh, from Batu. Yeah. yeah. So, on that, do you did you try them all, and do you have a, a side between blue milk or green milk? I am firmly on the green milk side. Okay. I think that a lot, of, a lot of people liked the blue milk, and it's good, don't get me wrong, but the green milk has more of a distinctive flavor, and I think that that's, that's what makes made it my favorite of the two. The blue milk was a little bit more generically uh, kind of tropical and sweet. Yeah. And the green milk has kind of a more citrusy bouquet, if you will. Okay. Well, I wonder what I wonder what those Thala sirens are eating. Makes it like that. <laughs> yeah, you got to wonder. Yeah. They're they're right there by the ocean. It should be salty. Yeah. So I would pay for uh, there to be like some sort of wine tasting session. Or right in the milks teat. around the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, teat, teat worthy. Yeah. <laughs> so you actually judge the animals. <laughs> It'd be swirl it around a bit and go. Hmm. Remember, you, you gotta like swirl it around the glass and then exactly. inhale. Mm-hmm. Inhale. Keep the mouth open. Let the whole thing go through. Um, yeah, subtle hint. That's what it's about. <laughs> Um, but that's fascinating. Green milk. I, I will keep that in mind. And um, did you ever try any other, like, were you able to just sample drink after drink or did you kind of stick to like the classics, the milks, if you will? 
I didn't get to try the milks until later on in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, in Oga's Canteen, I got to try some of the drinks. Uh, some of them were all right. There's one that had these little weird popping eggs in the bottom that I thought was very fun Ooh. and appropriately Star Wars-y. Uh, like I said, they didn't have any of the alcoholic drinks out, and I don't drink booze anyway, so mm-hmm. I don't really have an opinion of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, they, they had a bunch of the different foods out, uh, and I think that the food is pretty good. I wish that I had had more of a chance to sample the vegetarian options, because more, more often than not, I'm reaching for the veggie option. Uh-huh. Um, but I had stuff like the Bantha wrap, or the, sorry, the, the Ronto wrap from Ronto Roasters, uh, and that's, that's pretty tasty. Um. And there's some other like little little meaty chunks of meat, uh, and uh, they have a really really good unique kettle corn that they sell in the marketplace. That is, it's it tastes a little bit like a like a breakfast cereal, but it also has a slight spiciness to it. Like they've just put a tiny bit of pepper in it, oh, okay. enough to like just make the tip of your tongue tingle just ever so slightly. Man, that's that's gonna be crazy. <laughs> just going around eating street Batu street food. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 you can get stuff. Uh, you know, a little. They have snacks at the cantina, um, but I think that I was just really blown away by the uh, Docking Bay Seven restaurant because it has a ship on top that's supposed to be kind of like an intergalactic food truck. But uh, inside, if you look up at the ceiling, there's a big uh, there's a big aperture that they can. Uh, you know, in universe, they can open and close to bring cargo containers inside Mm -hmm. and the tables and where you're sitting in the seating area are all like hollowed out cargo containers. It's really cool. Oh, wow. And, um, I've heard the, uh, the Meiluran juice is nothing to sleep on. Did you ever, did you get a chance to try that? I didn't, unfortunately. Ah. No, I didn't. Fascinating. (laughs) I will have to taste it myself, I suppose. Um, (laughs) let me see what else I guess. So another big thing about Galaxy's Edge right now is that the um, this sort of ultra attraction, the Rise of the Resistance, is not ready yet. Um, mm-hmm. But the Millennium Falcon is. And I take it you got to go on that as well. Yeah, I got to ride it five times. Well, there we go. <laughs> which, which of the five times was your favorite? <laughs> I think, uh, you know what? See, this was, this was, this was where I was coming from. Uh, it was very stressful the first couple of times for me mm-hmm. because there's just so much to take in. And I got I got right pilot the first time that I flew. Okay. And so that that position is controlling up and down, and you also get to pull back on the stick to jump to light speed, which is incredible. Uh, but because you've got uh, so much going on and you need to be actively paying attention to... The, the movie the entire time while you're juggling these controls that you just learned that are albeit simple. Um, I found it like surprisingly stressful the first couple of times that I flew. Um, the other positions are a little less intensive, I think, but you're still having to like turn your head a little bit and like see where the controls are and look back up at the screen. So once I got used to it, I think that I enjoyed it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, I'd say that if you want to have the most interactive experience, the two pilot positions are the best. But if you want to just kind of sit back and enjoy the movie more, and like look at look at the screen and see what's going on, um, and what you know, you also don't want to get yelled at by Hondo quite so much. The engineering positions are <laughs> a little a little less active and a little bit more passive. I see. And it's really fun because the Falcon will crash and it will shut down, and you're responsible for hitting a bunch of buttons, and then ev- the you know everything in the cockpit lights back up. It's really cool. Yeah, like I know, I know I need to be a pilot at some point. 
I don't, I don't care which left side or right side, but I know that's like what I definitely need to do. Uh, but that's, I'm sure like, yeah, the, the gunner jobs and engineers and stuff. I'm like, that's just as fun. And I heard also that, is it like with the app, um, you like scan in and it'll like track your past rides and react like Hondo will react to that. Yeah. That's one thing that we didn't really have enough time to try and uh, I didn't realize until pretty late on in the day that I could go get the app update that had all the Galaxy's Edge stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running it. I was running a slightly older version of the Disney Play app, I guess. So I only got to play around with that just a tiny bit in terms of the. There's like a hacking game where you have to go to different control panels, and you know you solve a little puzzle, and depending on which side you're supporting, you know can tip the balance, and the bad guys or the good guys can win. Um, oh, but okay. I did not have an opportunity to see. The reputation tracking at work which was a really hyped feature and i'm still not sure how well it's going to work in anaheim just because i don't know that there are going to be that many people that will go and use the disney play app and i'm not sure how they're advertising that feature to regular people mm-hmm. um, but yes i've seen i've seen confirmation now that whatever whatever bluetooth magic they're working on the phone um, if you have your account set up and you have the app running in the background on your device on your quote-unquote data pad Hondo will then call out and be like, oh, you know, the couple of you here have, have done this before. Like, welcome back. You know, hopefully you don't do as poorly this time. <laughs> uh, but the, the real, the, the really big, like, uh, reputation tracking feature that Disney had hyped up was that you'd be able to go into the cantina and that your actions, other places would follow you in. And, you know, somebody could take you aside and be like, hey, Hondo. Hondo says you owe him some money, you know, stuff like that. And I'm, I'm not sure how well all of those interactions are going to work. Um, but, you know, so far, I think that they still are, like, kind of beta testing everything. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, especially with that sort of major attraction not coming till... Is, it, it's, is there even a date for it? Is it just fall? It's just later this yeah. year, which buys, buys them until December 31st. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, so I'm sure, yeah, there'll be... A few probably uh, hiccups, but I mean, everything seems to be just operating really well and everyone seems very impressed with it. Um, so I-, I think they made a smart decision launching with the, the slightly less um, ambitious ride mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run has a lot of really cool new features that we haven't really seen on a simulator ride before. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's a, it is a lot like Star Tours. Right. It just is a smaller ride vehicle and it's more interactive. Yeah, like this guy, um, this guy who works at Disneyland comes to the store I work at a lot, and mm-hmm. he was te- like, when Galaxy's Edge opened, he was sort of like telling us about like what's planned for Rise of the Resistance, <laughs> and. It's like I couldn't even wrap my head around it. He was like, "Yeah, we we like transport you like off world to a star destroyer." I'm like, "How?" <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, so like it makes sense that they're they're taking their time. They're not rushing this one because it's uh it seems like it's just utter madness. Um and we we definitely want it to be uh working the right way before uh they ship it out to the public. Um, but yeah, I think if you, if you had to pick one thing, what would you say is the the best experience of the theme park itself? Uh, I had the most fun just, uh, role-playing and riffing with the different cast members. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, 
like I like we were talking about before. I'm I, I'm I, I want to hedge a little bit and say the experience that I got is not exactly the experience that everyone is going to get when they go. Uh, and I think that that part of that comes down to how few people were in the land, and I think that it also came comes comes down to like how how green everyone is and how freshly trained all of the employees are, mm-hmm. um, and how I think very clearly how excited everyone is that this just opened. Um, so we'll see in the long run if they're able to uh, keep up the energy and the willingness to to play around with the visitors. But holy crap! Uh, I was outside of the pet shop, and I, I you know, I, I walked up to two cast members who were hanging out outside of the pet shop, and we started having a discussion. And I, you know, they it seemed like they were kind of like animal, animal rights activists, <laughs> and they were very con- very concerned about the, the porgs. And I, you know, I made a comment about how my friend Chewbacca makes an excellent barbecue porg, and they were so offended you couldn't even believe oh, it. Oh, that's fantastic! Uh, they. They didn't understand why somebody would eat a creature so cute as a, as cute as a pork. Like they were, you know, that was that was pretty much the end of the discussion at that point. Like we had we had very different uh, uh, viewpoints on everything, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, conversation ended quickly. But uh, you know, uh, after you get out of the Millennium Falcon cockpit, one of Hondo's employees will come in and say, you know, like, "Wow, you guys really crash a ship up." And so I decided to to shoot back at the guy and be like, "We crashed the ship." What were you doing back here this entire time? Like, why weren't you helping us? I'm gonna tell Hondo. You know, <laughs> you can you can you can riff with people like that, and everybody has a really good time doing it. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's even just on a much smaller scale. That's that's what was so charming about the um the, like Hogsmeade section of uh and like Diagon Alley and and Universal Studios. Like, just that thing where like people people would know what to say like to do i don't know how much they like drill it into them or if they're just like automatically enthusiastic but like um i i bought one of the like interactive wands and i was just like curious how it worked because there's this like thing mm-hmm. on the end and i was like does that light up and like i was like uh maybe if you were to do a lumos charm <laughs> and i was like i was like my guy i'm just trying to like learn how to use this thing um and uh, so it's funny, and it seems like that's been just dialed up to eleven in uh, at Galaxy's Edge, which is which is I mean awesome. Yeah, and especially since I think that a lot a lot of people are more fluent in Star Wars than they think they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of guests are going to have fun with those those interactions. Some people, you know, some people might be a little bit shy and not willing to play around, and I think that that's cool too. But if you if you want to go in and banter with people, then you know that's you're gonna have. I think you're gonna have a much different experience than people who are just going to passively wander around the land and uh, not not interact with people. Yeah, that's what makes me wonder about like what the vibe will be when it's oh, like more open to the public, and maybe it's not quite as many people who who like need to be there day one, but just people mm-hmm. who are like you know. We were from out of town. We're part of. It. We got the the park pass or whatever. Um, maybe they're not like quite as like fully engaged with everything. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting how it just that those attitudes like evolve over time. Like you were saying with the cast, right? Like, will they be so like all the time turned on, like you know, switched on Star Wars brain? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it'll be fascinating to see how it grows and. Uh, I think I can't wait until it's so you know 
the excitement dies down and it's a little bit more of an ordinary part of the park mm -hmm. and you can kind of go in go in on a slower day and really like get into that with people yeah um already already i've seen you know people are making uh little cases for their phones with little greeblies and pieces of model kits to make them look a little bit more star mm -hmm. warsy and you know kind of doing like casual cosplay because you're not allowed to do full-on star That's wars right. cosplay yeah. inside the land um but I, you know, I'm looking forward to when it's a little bit more calm, and maybe you know, I can come up with a character backstory. I already, I already have a couple of ideas. I think that I want to be a Batu native who comes back from off-world after studying. Uh, you know, I got, I got some scholarship that took me off the planet, and I studied at some universities on Naboo and Coruscant and Sereno for a few years. But you know, I've heard that the First Order has come into town, so I, you know, I came back to join the Resistance and defend my, uh, my home city. Oh, that's great. Do, do people like interact with you on that kind of level? I think if you tell you know if you give them details mm -hmm. of who you are, they will probably play along. Oh, okay, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very much just tapping into that wish fulfillment, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. That was you know as as beautiful as the area is, and as as. As, as much as you feel like you're in this new world that is unfamiliar, but also Star Wars-y enough that it feels familiar, it was really the, the, the people that they hired to mill about and, you know, even working in the shops uh, that, that brought it to life fully. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the, the only complaint I had is that I would love to see the occasional, like, masked alien walk by. Oh, okay. Um, but I could also understand why... That might be a little bit of a problem. You know, you can't see out of a mask so well if you're dressed up like a Rodian or something like right. that. Um, all of the inhabitants, save for the, you know, the, the audio animatronic characters that you see here or there, are, uh, were human. You know, jumping off that, um, is, there, is there something like that you would, after your experience, say um, you would change or add to improve Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, you know, I think that the only thing that it needs is that second ride, because otherwise I think that for a lot of people who are vacationing at Disneyland and soon to be at Disney World, uh, just having one ride makes it uh, less a, a less appealing place to spend more time. And because there is so much to see and the shops have such a depth of products and Easter eggs in them and there are so many different foods that you can sample, um, I think that having that second ride will make it feel worth your time to, to stick around for longer fascinating yeah i i genuinely just can't wait to go <laughs> it's it's like it's it's especially hard <laughs> for me i feel because i just feel, it's like right there <laughs> um, yeah yeah so it's yeah it's one of those things i can't i can't wait i don't know when but it'll be it'll be soon hopefully how about you charlie when are you making the trip over uh, <laughs> four years maybe? there we go <laughs> To, to be totally honest, I was not counting on going to this thing for a long time just because I'm, I'm kind of crowd averse. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was, I was going to give it a couple of years to, to settle in before I tried to go. Um, even though I really love Disneyland and any opportunity that I have to go there, I will take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, but this, assi this assignment came around and it's like, okay, cool. This is, this, I get to go. go. This is super yeah. lucky. Gotta take it. <laughs> yep. Um, and, you know, of course, uh, as I'm sure most of our listeners will know, uh, Star Wars Celebration is in Anaheim next year. And um, mm. how do you think they might 
tie the park into the convention experience because they've they did things in the past like the galactic night event um during celebration but now we got this mm-hmm. whole park right next door so like surely they'll find a way to incorporate celebration into it i certainly hope so i especially hope that they they uh reconsider their their staunch no costume rule mm-hmm. because i think that it would be a really nice gesture to let the 501st and the rebel legion and the mando mercs like go into the park in full regalia that would be pretty incredible like it might it might break the immersiveness a little bit to have a bunch of different time period people wandering around mm-hmm. but the photo ops would be totally worth it yeah that'd be a nice treat um i was i, was, I remember talking to one of my friends one time about it and we were like what if they were like streaming panels in galaxy's edge <laughs> it's like just the star wars show stage is like there I think I think it'd be really fun. Uh, I think, like you said, it might, you know, break that immersiveness, but it would be a. That's not a terrible idea if they, you know, if they can just shuttle people from the convention center to the to Galaxy's Edge. Like, you know, once people come out, once celebrities come off of panels, uh, if they could move them to the Star Wars show stage, or if they, you know, even if they just did remote spots from mm-hmm. like the inside of the cantina, that would that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I guess it will remain to be seen. We'll find out next year, <laughs> and uh, of course. I mean, I'm I'm def I'm definitely gonna go next year if it's happening mm-hmm. with you guys. We just have to, you know, smuggle our way into uh, into Batu. Yep. <laughs> From off world. Yeah, I, you know, I think that I'm trying not to get my hopes up of another uh, visit for celebration. Um, I think the way I'm going to do celebration next year is going to be a little bit different. Uh, just in terms of not going to not not getting passes for the show floor every single day, mm-hmm. um, but you know, if they had reserve times for celebration guests, then that might make me rethink my plans a little bit. If I could buy you know a five day pass plus Disneyland Park Hopper and exclusive access to Galaxy's Edge with fellow Star Wars fans, that that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah, agreed. Um, we're so happy that you got to do that and talk to us about it <laughs> it is it just seems like an amazing place to be and um yeah, thank you for sharing everything that you experienced of course i hope i hope both of you get to go soon and, and claire too oh yeah but um you know what the fun doesn't stop because we are smack in the middle of e3 and um, a few nights ago, or days ago, whatever day it is now, um, <laughs> Jedi Fallen Order got its big reveal at EA Play, and we got to see some footage, we got a trailer, um, so I guess we're just going to like talk about some early reactions with that, so like, what did you guys think about that gameplay demo? I mean, for me personally, I was really surprised. Um in a positive way, actually, because I don't know what I was expecting with this game. I just assumed it'd be, I don't know, just the Fallen Order sort of, you know, title gave me sort of negative vibes and sort of, I was thinking it would come from a sort of place of pessimism, considering where we are in the, um, in the franchise, like in the timeline, but actually the gameplay itself looked really cool. It reminded me a lot of The Force Unleashed meets 
elements of Battlefront 2, like especially the droid stuff is like straight up Aiden. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual story in the game surprised me because it seems very hopeful, which I actually really appreciate and like. I like that we get to see a more hopeful Saw Gerrera, which is um, <laughs> an interesting... <laughs> it's interesting to see him in, in it anyway. In more than... You know, in a more complete physical sense as well. <laughs> yeah, he's a little, sure. little younger, a little less, a little yeah, less blown little... up in a few places. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and he, it, it seems like he's still got a bit of hope left in the rebellion and just in the galaxy in general. So I'm wondering if the events of the game is what helps create that more negative outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Um. That'd be an interesting story development. Uh, yeah, I just, I just like, I liked what I saw, especially the force powers and stuff like that. The combat looks pretty awesome. What about you guys? Um, I guess for me, yeah, I thought, I thought the force uh, unleashed parallels were very similar. Um, a little bit of a. Uncharted, a little bit of Assassin's Creed in there with the way mm-hmm. you're like climbing things, and then because of it's like respawn and <laughs> like with the like wall running in Titanfall, I was like, oh, there we go, <laughs> um, that's in there too. And yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought the um, the combat seems more intricate than than I thought it could like than it could have been, um, which is good because it it. Could have been very button mashy, <laughs> um, which is also fine. But I think it it's gonna help like some of that feeling, especially if like a lot of the vibe is really like trying to feel like a Jedi and like growing as a Jedi. Um, so I think sort of that that kind of combat where you can put a little more thought into it. Like I think um, I think of games like The Witcher Three or uh, maybe even Assassin's Creed. Um, where there's there's a little more movement to uh, and a sort of finesse to the combat and I thought that was a really cool thing. So how about you Brendan? What do you think about that gameplay? I think the gameplay looks pretty good. I'm not uh it, it you're totally right. It did look a lot like Assassin's Creed and I've never really played Assassin's Creed before. Mm-hmm. Um but you know what? I I am just so excited to have a single player a full single player Star Wars game again that it really didn't matter what the gameplay was going to look like, I am going to buy this mm-hmm. uh, 100%. Because as, as cool as it was to get the Iden story in uh, Battlefront 2, and as, as nice as that was, uh, it, it ultimately did feel like a lot of repurposed multiplayer maps that they had just kind of reconfigured and shuffled around and worked into a story well. They did a good job with what they had, but it didn't have as much depth as I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. And so to get something that looks to be an incredibly cinematic experience with a nice deep gameplay and some new characters that we've never met mixed in with some some favorite characters that, you know, like Saul Guerrera, uh, this this looks really promising and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have um, sort of new things, right? Like these uh, flame trooper designs, I think, which are like straight off of a Macquarie concept and um the uh the purge troopers and then my number one obsession right now second sister is she is she barris maybe yes 
<laughs> um, yeah, I I remember watching that celebration trailer and seeing the Inquisitor and just being like, yes, you you have me now. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I can I can't wait to see what the what the game um, has concerning her, and I think another sort of uh, big star of the um, the show so far has been BD One, the lovable little droid that uh what a cutie follows, it's uh helps is it cal cal's the main character's name mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so uh yeah. is, is bd want to he or a she oh no i don't know have they specified i think they <laughs> i think they said he but i saw saf referred to it as her so Ooh. i'm not sure well bd1 is adorable i, I think it, everyone agrees and uh is actually voiced by a Star Wars legend, um, sound designer Ben Burt. Does the uh, does all the voices for, um, or performs, or however you want to <laughs> think about however you act a droid out. Um, breathe, breathed life into. There we go. <laughs> so that, that's a really wonderful that- um, addition because I think because so much of what is amazing about R two D two right is is Ben Burt's. Um, you know, audio stuff and um, applying that into BD1 as well will will just make uh, him a an epic, you know, character in, in just the whole universe of Star Wars, I think. Yeah, it's good. it was good to see him get called out like that because it, there's, I don't know if you guys saw, there was an article a few years ago about how Ben Burt's not working on Star Wars anymore mm-hmm. and yeah. they were kind of cagey about what his role was still at Skywalker Sound. And it's nice. It's nice that you know he had an opportunity like this to to work on another piece of Star Wars media because he's you know he really helped Star Wars seem like Star Wars without without his sound effects and his genius of repurposing all kinds of real world sounds for crazy space things. Uh, Star Wars wouldn't be Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like arguably part of like a holy trinity, right? That like includes like John Williams yeah. and. And George Lucas, and probably seeing you know, someone like Dennis Murren or something. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, I don't mean to throw shade at like Matthew Wood or the new generation that's taken over the sound. Uh, but, you know, he's he still is like a living legend, and it's nice that they, they gave him an opportunity to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say the same thing. I feel like even Matt Wood would agree that, I mean, Ben Burt would, is the legend. Like, he, if it weren't for him, we wouldn't have. Like the sound of Star Wars is just so integral to the story, mm-hmm. I think. And there's so many like just amazing sound. I mean, we could talk. We could spend a whole episode talking about that uh, Slave One uh, propulsion bomb from Attack of the Clones. Genius! It's just kisses fingers, and you know, like we could be here all day. That's how brilliant the guy is, and just just hearing that he's involved in the game and voicing, obviously, like the character that everyone loves was just awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's great that he's involved. Um, so I actually don't know too much about this next item. So Charlie, I'm going to let you explain it and talk to us about the skins, yeah. and customizable elements, customizable elements. So the pre-order bonus that was revealed has elements of sort of like skins and customizable elements of the for the game, and that's like mainly for. Uh, BD1 has got different skins, different like paint jobs, and I think like different 
customizable elements of the character, but also the lightsaber has different customizable parts you can upgrade with. I think if you pre-order, you can get a orange blade, um, or orangey yellow blade, and also different parts. And I think they mentioned as well on um, I can't remember which source it was. It might have been Gamespot about. I think it's supposed to be a bit like the Force Unleashed, where on different missions, if you go around, you can find parts for different lightsabers and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's more of a in-universe feel of you going around, finding bits of old lightsabers, or maybe some crystals or something, and then fixing up your lightsaber, depending on what it is. But it's more of like the classic broom uh, debate of if you replace the handle, and if you replace the... <laughs> The brush is it still the same broom, but you know it's the lightsaber. Right, just replace a few cosmetic stuff. So I guess the idea is, um, I, I it's still up to debate whether these will be microtransactions. I don't think they will be because they've already mentioned there won't be any, and it just seems a bit iffy. Although I I don't really care that if the skins are microtransactions. I don't think people will mind too much. If you want your character to look a certain way, I think it would be awesome if we can get more character skins. Um, I remember a lot of having a lot of fun with the Force Unleashed Two, despite how not great that game was. <laughs> Playing as Admiral Akbar was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dual wielding lightsaber Akbar, yeah, you know, taking on the galaxy. I remember just finding yeah. the the crystals. And that being such a like fundamentally fun part of that, it's like, oh, you know what? This time I'll have a funky, like wavy, ripply yellow lightsaber. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if that's if that's an element of this, and that I think that's a really cool thing because I know, I myself included, I've and like I definitely understand why um, it's a it's a singular character, but but like I've seen a lot of uh, criticism or just desire to have had a a more customizable hero um and you know whatever steps they make to where you can start making this feel like this is your version of cal i think that's all that's Mm -hmm. a really um like more interesting thing to do with the game do we know if there are any morality choices do you get to you know yeah uh, there there are not okay so you can't you can't progress like and pick dark side skills and go to the dark side if you wanted to. Yeah, no, I feel like I think they mentioned before like there's no uh, good or bad choices. It's more, it's just more of a narrative that's going that way. Which to me, the way they are sort of vague about it suggests that there might be a bit of in-story morality. Like maybe he starts going down a certain path and then realizes mm. not to, or it might just be that he's just very very good the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I know for sure that in the early missions, your force powers progress in a certain way. So I wouldn't be surprised if desperation, you know, causes for those. That's one of the things actually that frustrated me was um, some of the journalism coverage of the game mentioning that he uses dark side powers, so therefore he turns he's turning evil. Hmm. And that, and their their example of it was the freeze because Kylo Ren does the freeze, you know. Mm, mm-hmm. type, I think it's called Force Slow. And also the idea of him like chopping up people. But this is a guy who's being hunted by like 
a fasc- fascist empire. Yeah. It, it it'd be like people complaining that Yoda chops off people's clones' heads in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. How dare they? How dare he? Yoda must be turning evil. <laughs> and there's something about these unrefined characters, right? Like, like, uh, like Kanan, like just shooting people, right? You know? Yeah. It's these are not guys who grew up with this, you know, Jedi mantra of blah blah blah, and you know, they yeah. were they were not. I mean, Ezra Ezra dual wields a lightsaber and a blaster, right? right? Like, and it looks like Ray probably does too, and uh, in TROS, mm-hmm. since she still has her blaster on her belt, and even Luke so. did for a bit. Yeah, but also it's like for them, even though they are Jedi and they did, well, they were raised in this, you know, doctrine. I feel like it's not out of question for them to question that doctrine, considering that they were all wiped out mm-hmm. and they're on the run. I don't think I don't think there's time to necessarily go completely down the peaceful path. Yeah, if people are trying to murder you, and people you care about. Yeah, survival takes precedent over uh, the the crazy old dogma that you were trained to obey as a child. Exactly, yeah, which failed. <laughs> Miserably, yeah. yes. Which, by the way, <laughs> you know, it's in the it's gone down the crapper. Um, yeah. yeah, I think. Uh, what was I gonna say? I forgot. Oh no, I forgot my train of thought. Um, oh yeah, I, something I've heard from people who um, were at EA Play. And got to like play this sort mm. of extended demo, um, is that the lightsaber he uses uh, belonged to his master? If I if I understood Ooh. this correctly, um, belonged to his master, but we don't know who that was. So I think mm. it, I think some of the mystery of the game and the story is sort of learning who, who like what about his past and like who his master was and stuff. So that's that's just an interesting tidbit. Can I make a bold claim? Yes. Please do. See, if we were to introduce the kid, like, if we're going to focus on you know, different characters, and, like, if we, if we were to introduce more Star Wars characters and give them extra time, wouldn't it be amazing if we saw a really detailed CG, get, like, an amazing voice actor to play him, and have... His master be Yarrow Poof. <laughs> yes. You know what? I'm I'm loving this idea, and I my brain immediately went to Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, that see that's perfect. See, <laughs> absolutely perfect, Benedict. And you can agree. do the yeah, do the mocap, do the voiceover, crawl on the floor, crawl on the floor <laughs> with his long neck. My only issue is as great as that is, I want Yarrow Poof. But my only issue is I have the robot chicken Yariel Poof so embrained in my mind that oh, when yeah. he's not going like, <laughs> mm. well, I brought the pizza this week. <laughs> Yaddle, can I borrow your car? <laughs> so I think that sort of dissonance would, uh, I don't know if I would be able to handle that. But I think, yeah, that would be fascinating. Even just, just any sort of like, can you imagine if it was Yaddle? Like, <laughs> oh. like just, just pick someone random off the Jedi Council. Um That'd be fascinating. I feel like it's too long for Yaddle. Well, maybe she, like, you know, like those uh, samurai had sort of, like, longer handle swords that they would, like, two-handedly fight with? Maybe she was doing that. Oh, yeah, maybe. 
Yeah. Apparently as well, you can change the length of the blade in the game. Oh, fascinating. Hmm. Which is um pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, I guess the, the most general question then, with all this in mind, are we hyped for this game? How about you, Brendan? Oh, yeah. I am so on board. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I've never been a multiplayer person, mm-hmm. and I, I, did, I did more multiplayer playing with Battlefront 2 than probably any video game ever. Um, and that's, that's not even the, the first-person shooter parts. I basically just played Starfighter Assault all the time. Uh, so to have something that's a little bit more immersive and engaging and that I can hopefully put a lot of hours into and that has a, an interesting, enriching story to tell with, with uh, you know, I hope a lot of nice surprises for us fans. Uh, and hopefully it's, you know, the it's, it's, it's a sophisticated kind of cinematic experience. Uh, then I'm going to have so much fun with this thing. Absolutely. What about you, Charlie? Um. Yeah, I feel like before the celebration stuff, I was intrigued. Um, but as soon as we saw Forrest Whitaker back as saw Guerrero, I was I like, no, I don't give a, I don't care. I'm hyped. <laughs> you, you sold me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I just I also love the idea that Forrest Whitaker is just he loves the character so much that he is willing to do anything. That's a, like, yeah, I just, I, That's an amazing thing. Like Luke. Luke's from like we need to promote this book. <laughs> can, you, can you dress up as him for like half an hour? He's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things where it's like we don't we don't hold this as a standard to any actor in Star Wars, but when when you see someone who just like so is so hyped themselves that they get to have ownership of a character and and they will be like make themselves available the way Forrest Whitaker does <laughs> for like mm-hmm. Academy Award winning. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker um, <laughs> for for a character that in the end is like in the grand scheme of things like not doesn't have a huge profile like Saw obviously does a lot but like in the in the pop culture sense like Saw is not this huge icon and for someone like Forrest Whitaker to be just so down to to always sort of like give that character the legitimacy of its film actor in whatever medium, that's that's so awesome. And we know he's listening, so we commend you, Forrest, for, for all your hard work. <laughs> uh, Excellent job. Yes. There is you also... Oh, sorry. There's also, like, a, a nice continuity with his voice work as well. Like, he has this sort of youthful energy that he has kind of in Rebels as well, and he has this sort of, like, pause when he talks that he has in both, like, Rebels and uh, this game. Mm-hmm. Which I really like. I, re- I recommend going back and watching clips from Rogue One, and then watching the the Rebels, and also this hit like the dialogue in this game because it's actually really interesting to see how he sort of goes from a sort of hopeful, more uh, like like fun loving character in terms of like he's like laughing at the stuff that the crazy stuff that's going right mm-hmm. compared to him in Rogue One, and you can see like the character development. Um, it's fascinating for me. Yeah, definitely. He still has like the seriousness that the character has. Like I remember the the part in Rebels where he does the he sends the transmission to uh, to Yavin Four, and you see him in the hologram form uh, talking about the kind of the state of the the rebellion, and speaking as a as a whole. Uh, but he does have so much more youthful energy, and I think that that's that's so cool that 
you know, there's a there's a before and an after towards the end of his journey. He's really been dragged down by his, uh, you know, whatever blew off his leg and how, you know, what 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 uh, the the pesticide that he probably inhaled on Geonosis that gave him the breathing problem and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's cool that they went so far as to build that into into his performance and like like we were saying, like kudos to him for understanding the the nuance of this character and understanding that in you know in a, in a short span of time he undergoes a lot of dramatic change um and clearly from when he's super young in the clone wars and like ready to to kick ass all the time and just super energetic to when he's in rogue one like that's that's a full journey right there yeah and i Absolutely. i remember like really liking saw um just as a character in his clone wars arc and now thinking about that and just how how limited he seemed to that arc and now living where we are now and it's like oh my gosh he's been so fleshed out in his experience and you know now we have Mm -hmm. Forrest Whitaker and uh, you know all this stuff and it's just it's really cool to see a character that was you know introduced for one arc of a of a uh, animated series just go on this like multimedia (laughs) uh journey um so yeah, way to go, Saw. You're you're getting work done. Um, I think, as I think I'm, I think I'm pretty hyped for the game now. Post celebration, I was like intrigued by the story and, um, or the the world building that like is the world building potential, um, and characters. But seeing the gameplay, I think I'm definitely more interested, more ready to play. I I agree with the um, mm-hmm. single player aspect. I think it's. It's great to just have a a narrative driven game that you can just sort of play and feel like you're playing Star Wars and um not feel like as as good as like Battlefront is it also has that sort of more arcadey feel right um where you're just sort of like jumping in and out of battles and now now it's like we have an actual story we can really follow through um yeah and especially with with what happened to the visceral game like it was getting a little like scary <laughs> like wondering what the future of like sort of narrative based single player games would be because that one by that Amy Hennig was working on I'm sure would have been absolutely incredible and mm-hmm. um, so it's, yeah it's nice it's nice that we're gonna get that genre anyway but yeah I think I think uh, Fallen Order it's coming out in November and I think we're all pretty excited to play it yeah the one thing that that just to just to give one final thought the one thing that's been occurring to me is we have all this new star wars media and so much of it is taking place in this super fertile turf between three and four Mm -hmm. and that just makes me really happy because that that means that they can uh you know continue to strengthen the the connective tissue between the prequel trilogy and the new trilogy and uh you know express things that are more prequely and that original fans will also like um because you know you go back and you see Rogue One takes place in that gap. Uh, Solo takes place in that gap. Now we have a blockbuster AAA game that's also taking place in that same time period. All of Rebels takes place in that time period. Like, wow, what an what an interesting time period. If if I were to have guessed, like when the Disney acquisition happened, if they would play around in between the two movies, uh, the two, two trilogies in such a way, uh, I don't think that I, I I would have guessed that. Yeah. I would have thought they want to they want to put a stake in the ground somewhere else so that they can kind of give themselves a clean slate, which is a little bit what they did with the the sequels. Mm-hmm. But you know, we we 
we're just about to wrap up that trilogy and that's that's three movies that take place in a different time period whereas so much of the storytelling they've been doing is is right smack dab in the middle of the two George Lucas trilogies right. it's it's incredible yeah and gaining all that experience and then you know we can wonder once episode 9 is out once the mandalorian's out when they start you know using all the storytelling experience they've had playing in this era and bringing that mm-hmm. into between six and seven um heck yeah yeah. i'm really excited for that yeah the future is gonna be just insane we're gonna (laughs) i'm sure there will be a (laughs) extension to galaxy's edge as well once you know these like five ten year plans you know start going into effect um yeah it's yeah i'm stoked to see it evolve and grow it 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 should be a lot of fun it's great it's great now but you know there there are there are probably things they have up their sleeve that they're hiding uh that will be unleashed on the world in the next couple Mm -hmm. of years for the park i'm sure well i guess guys that just about wraps up for today uh first of all we want to thank you again brendan for joining us it's been great to have you on we'll surely have to have you on sometime again in the future Future. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me i would love to come back absolutely yeah it was great having you on thank you buddy Definitely. You're welcome. And, uh, is there a place that um, you can tell our fine listeners where to find you or uh, give them a heads up on some of your work out there? Uh, I'm freelance right now, so I'd say just follow me on Twitter and see what I'm up to. There we go. And um, Charlie, how about you? Where can the fine people find you again? So you can find me on Twitter at CMWASHBY, Instagram, Charlie MW Ashbing, and I'm sure if you stay outside my window at my house, you'll be able to see me from time to time. <laughs> and also, if you stare at a mirror, I'll be in the corner every now and then. There you go. Give a cheeky wave. Yeah, if you just yeah, if you look in your mirror at the top corner, when every time you blink your eyes, I'm I I appear. I don't even need to say uh, uh or chant anything into the mirror. There's no magic word. Charlie's just always behind me. I mean, you can do to improve your chances but I'm, I'm not going to tell you if it will work or not <laughs> <laughs> excellent now that I'm creeped out <laughs> um, you guys can find me on twitter at Nequitius that's N-A-Q-U-I-C-I-O-U-S you can find me on instagram at Nictifer N-I-C-T-O-P-H-E-R and if you want to keep in touch with the show you can follow us on twitter at ImpSenatePod you can follow us on instagram at Imperial Senate Pod, and definitely like us on Facebook for all other updates for um, Facebook platform. And if you ever feel like sending in a question or a voicemail, which we always love to read in here, uh, you can send it to Imperial Senate Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to get your sweet swag from tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash the Imperial Senate Podcast. As we as mentioned in the earlier in the episode, we got those hot salacious crumb t-shirts or salacious b crumb delicious I'm sorry can't forget that middle initial um yeah we got some some cool shirts there some logo shirts some artwork shirts um definitely check them out and of course you can get those designs on all manner of um goods shout out to noah for his moist uh phone case <laughs> Um, <laughs> then uh also you guys can become a patron on our patreon page because that would be super awesome and helps us keep the show running and we get to keep bringing you cool stuff. Um, and one more thing is check our pin tweet on Twitter um, or 
we'll make sure it's pinned. Uh, but it's a uh, giveaway that we're doing for our 50th episode, which is coming up. I believe it is the next episode that we um, that we have. And uh, it's a giveaway of a micro, uh, micro Battle of Hoth Lego set. It's very cool. comes with a little walker and two snow speeders um, and the shield generator. And they're a lot of fun. And um, all you guys have to do is follow us on Twitter, retweet that, uh, tweet with why you love the show, why others should listen. And um, our winner will be announced in our 50th episode. So the winner will be announced our next one. This is episode 49 that you're listening to. So episode 50, the winner will be revealed. And if you play Star Wars Battlefront 2 on PlayStation Network, join our community group and we will have awesome plays together. Um, so yeah, I guess that just about does it. Thank you again, Brendan, for joining us. And um, may the Force be with all of you, always. Save the rebellion, save the dream. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Yeah.